Hello, I hope all of you have had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope that it was filled with delicious food and plenty of time with loved ones. Now, I did not plan to take a little break. I had planned to have an episode up, gosh, what was it? The Friday, one Friday ago, two Friday ago. I'm not sure. (laughs) Seems like it's been a while. But anyway, um, we um, we were blessed to have family come into town um, a little bit earlier than I had expected. And, you know, I told myself I was going to continue to work. But when they got here, we just, we really just dove into family time and we've just been having the best time. It was long overdue. So I decided to just take a quick pause on podcasting and blogging. Um, I also, I thought I had scheduled posts to publish, um, but turns out I did not actually schedule them. So my apologies for that, but I am back and you will probably see a lot of posts from me in the next couple days. I was going to spread them out, but to be completely honest, I'm probably just going to start hitting publish on all of them. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, let's get into today's episode. So it's going to be a little bit different than what I had planned and mentioned previously. So if you're on my email list, then you know that it was going to be on the topic of healthy food and, you know, shopping for groceries to make food from scratch, but doing so and still being able to save money. And we definitely are going to talk about that today, but I decided to take it in a little bit of a different direction and really drill down on one specific item under that umbrella, if you will. So, um, especially with it being, you know, we all just celebrated Thanksgiving. We still have December. I'm going to say December because there's Christmas, there's Hanukkah, there's Kwanzaa, there's whatever it is that you celebrate. Um, chances are it involves food and cooking for other people, not just your normal, you know, every night dinner, you're, you're cooking more and you're spending more money on groceries. So I feel like now is a really good time to kind of talk about this one (laughs) specific thing so that once we're past, you know, the chaos of the holidays and you're getting back into your normal cooking, your normal dinner routines, etc., that you have this new tool to be able to cut down on your grocery costs. So what is that one thing that I am talking about? It is sourdough. Now, before you laugh or scoff or roll your eyes, listen, I think 
while social media has overall been great for exposing sourdough to the masses, I think there's also a side of it that has maybe um, been a little bit detrimental to some people. You know, I think it's easy to get into research overload and um, just really absorb too much content and you kind of get in this paralyzed state. And so instead of trying whatever it is that you were researching or looking at and wanting to learn about, in this case, sourdough, you may just see too much, read too much, hear too much, um, that it just becomes overwhelming and you think it's, you know, more difficult than what it truly is. So today I really want to, you know, debunk some myths when it comes to sourdough And I'm going to do my best to explain it in the simplest way I can and hopefully just give you guys the courage to try it if you haven't tried it yet, or maybe even if you have tried it, but you haven't yet utilized it for really all it's good for. Maybe you think, oh, I have sourdough and it's just to bake bread. It is so much more than baking a loaf of bread, I promise. So we're going to get into all that. I'm going to go over my favorite things to make with it. I'm going to go over how much money it's saved, you know, me and my family on groceries. I make all our bread, bakery, you know, items from scratch. That was really the first thing that um, we cut out from the store because it was the easiest for me to take over and just whip out myself. Um, But I'm going to go into how wonderful it is to always have sourdough on hand, especially for those nights where you didn't really plan anything for dinner or you ended up, you know, having to run a bunch of errands after work or later in the evening, you didn't have time to stop for groceries or maybe you did stop for groceries, but now you're home and you really don't feel like cooking anything. I am going to give you some fantastic recipes and ideas for all those situations. So with that being said, let's get into the amazing world of sourdough how it can help you save money on groceries and stick to eating healthy from scratch meals. Side note, if recipes are your jam and that is why you're here, definitely check out the blog. I have all our recipes over there. Also, if you're a fan of Pinterest, follow me on Pinterest. I not only post our recipes, but I also post favorite recipes from many other amazing creators in the from scratch, healthy, homesteading, you know, farm to table type sphere. So head on over there at Hatton Homestead on Pinterest. So what is sourdough bread and why is it better for you? Why is it something that you should maybe want to start making for yourself, your family, your friends, whatever the case may be? So to put it simply, um, sourdough, it relies on a mix of wild yeast and lactic acid bacteria rather than your store-bought, you know, commercial yeast to leaven the dough. 
So it's, and this is, this is why I know it can be super frustrating getting started and seeing so many conflicting things, but sourdough really, it really depends on your environment. You know, my sourdough is going to act and behave way different than my best friend who's, you know, down in Mississippi. Her starter is going to have a distant, a different consistency. She's going to have different ratios and bake times and ferment times that work for her than, you know, what I do. So keep that in mind. You really have to just adapt to your personal environment and, you know, learn, learn your starter. (laughs) But uh, anyway, so that that's what sourdough starter is. Okay. It provides nutrients, healthy carbs, protein, fiber, iron, and vitamins like folic acid. Um, it's, it's less likely to spike your blood sugar. Um, it contains lower amounts of gluten and is just easier to digest than your store-bought, you know, white bread, etc. The most budget-friendly thing about sourdough and why I believe it is truly attainable for the masses is you don't need anything fancy. You don't need anything crazy. Now, I know if you've been introduced to sourdough from, say, TikTok or YouTube, you know, whatever social media, whatever the case may be, it's easy to, you know, see influencers and content creators using all these fun, fancy, shiny tools. And so you might see that and think, oh, I have to have all those things. There's no way I can get all those things. So sourdough just isn't for me. And that is just simply not the case. When I started my sourdough journey, I didn't even have a kitchen scale. And if you've read or seen anything, I even say it myself, a kitchen scale, I definitely recommend that should be like the one tool you choose to get if you don't, you know, have anything, don't want to get anything, but it can absolutely be done without a scale. So don't let that stop you. Um, but all you truly need for sourdough is one, a container to put it in. I recommend glass for, you know, many reasons, but I have seen people keep it in plastic, keep it in, you know, all sorts of random things. Um, but I do for sanitary purposes, I feel like putting it in a plastic container is just asking for, mold at some point. You can only clean plastic containers so well. (laughs) Um, Just look at your your container that once had spaghetti in it. I bet it's still red from the spaghetti sauce. (laughs) But anyway, um, we also just, we really try to not have any plastic um, in our household. Definitely not a fan of that. So I recommend glass. You can get, you know, a case of mason jars at any grocery store that I've ever seen, Target, Walmart, online, um, an even better place if you don't need or want more than one, you know, starting out, go to your local thrift shop, your Goodwill, your antique shop. I see lone mason jars all the time and they are dirt cheap. (laughs) So if that's an option for you and you have those, you know, 
antique shops or stores around you, definitely see what you can find there and get the most bang for your buck. But anyway, you need a jar, you need flour, and you need water. And preferably something to stir the flour and water in your jar. I mean, technically, you could use your finger if you really had to, but I'm pretty sure most of us have access to a knife, a spoon, a fork, whatever it is. You don't need one of those fancy, you know, um, one of those fancy dough sticks to stir it. You can use anything. I usually use a silicone spatula. Sometimes I use my butter knife from my everyday silverware set. You know, it doesn't have to be crazy. Just needs to do the job and mix up the flour and water. That is it. Now, when it comes to the flour and water you choose to use, there are some general rules to live by. And yes, they are there for a reason. And I do recommend that you adhere to these guidelines for best results. When it comes to your flour, um, it really is personal preference. You know, you can use all purpose. You can use bread. You can use whole wheat. You can use rye. Um, I've seen people use spelt flour, einkorn flour, freshly milled flour, um, all the things. So picking, picking what flour you're comfortable with. Oh, there's also real quick before I go on, there's also a way to do gluten-free sourdough starter. So while yes, sourdough in and of itself is, you know, easier to digest and most individuals that have a gluten intolerance can handle sourdough. (sighs) Individuals with celiac disease are generally still going to, you know, have an upset stomach, etc. So you can do gluten-free sourdough starters. And I know there's a fantastic um, group on Facebook called Gluten-Free Sourdough Starters. Um, So if you're interested in going the gluten-free route, definitely check that out. I am not gluten-free, so I cannot help you there, but it does exist, so you can do it. Um, But anyway, back to the flowers. So you can choose if you're someone who's already, you know, been making bread with commercial yeast from the store or making whatever baked goods and you have your flour preference, I recommend starting there. If not, your most uh, cost-effective flour choice is going to be all-purpose. However, it doesn't matter when it comes to brands, where you get your flour, etc. But the only thing you need to look out for is to make sure that it is unbleached all-purpose flour. If you accidentally use bleached flour in your starter in the future. Um, It doesn't mean you have to toss it out, but you will notice that it becomes stagnant and it doesn't want to rise. Even if you feed it, you're doing everything right, but you're feeding it that bleached flour, it's gonna, it's gonna slowly suffocate it. Um, So yeah, make sure you're getting unbleached. I made the mistake once. Um, I order my organic King Arthur flour from Thrive Market. 
And I don't remember how it happened or what happened, um, but I had either missed an order of flour. I didn't add flour to my twice weekly or every two weeks um, grocery order. And so I ran out of flour. I had to do, you know, a quick order. Had to take a quick break. Um, one of my little ones is unfortunately not feeling great today. So we've been dealing with some not fun things. So extra snuggles are needed on this cold, cold day. But um, anyway, I had been saying how basically I missed ordering flour in my grocery order or there was a lapse in my orders and I had run out of my flour before my new order came in and I had things that needed to be made. So I placed an order. Um, gosh, where did I, I think it was a Sam's club order. Yeah, it was a Sam's club order. And, um, I guess the only flour option they had was gold bleached all purpose. And when I had requested the flower, I don't remember if it was a different flower or I just didn't see that that flower was bleached and not unbleached. But either way, my groceries got delivered. I didn't even, didn't even pay attention to the bag. I simply dumped it in my jar and went on with my day. Well, it wasn't until that next day I fed my starter and luckily I always have multiple jars of starter for things like this. I have a million jars of discard in my fridge so I can always revive one of those if needed. I always have a ton on hand because I bake a ton and if anything ever happens, I want to be prepared. So I definitely recommend always having a backup. Never rely on just one jar of starter. <laughs> um, but anyway, I had fed it with that and it, to my surprise, it rose a teeny tiny bit, but not even close to doubling. I mean, it it went like a smidge above the line. So if you're maybe you've already started a starter, you're not getting it to rise, check your flower, make sure you're not using bleached flour because it will not help you. <laughs> um, but yeah, make sure it's unbleached. Past the unbleached part, the world is your oyster. Choose what works for you. Now that we have the flour out of the way, let's talk about water. As much as I wish we could just use sink water, unfortunately, we can't. Chances are your tap water is filled with chlorine and who knows what else. Um, and that's going to, again, suffocate your starter. So it is best to use a good um, spring water. I have better results with spring water, but I often just use filtered water um, and it's been fine. Again, I do try to use spring water, but I've also used filtered water plenty of times and it is fine. Um, I will say just from my reading and research, there's been a lot of people that seem to have been having a little bit of trouble with their starter rising, and then they started to use spring water instead of filtered water, 
and they were having that more consistent rise. So if using spring water is easily accessible to you or you don't have a preference of filtered versus spring, definitely go with the spring. It can only help. If you only have filtered, that's fine. It'll be just fine. That's what I use 90% of the time. So with a sourdough starter, I do always encourage you to make your own, start from scratch. It really is um, a fun little science experiment. So if you have children at home, definitely get them involved, explain the process, um, give them a piece of paper or a little journal to document um, its progress and behavior on a daily basis. It's, uh, it's really fun. You can really turn it into um, a practical learning moment. It's also as frustrating as it can be in the beginning, which it really doesn't have to be. I think it's only frustrating if you are comparing your starter, your journey, your progress to what you're seeing on the internet. But I'm here to remind you, everyone's sourdough journey is so different. So just focus on getting to know your starter, your environment. I have some fantastic, easy, user-friendly, simple sourdough resources that I will link in the description of this episode. So I don't want to spend a bunch of time diving into how to create a sourdough starter and how to maintain it on here. In fact, I'll probably have a separate episode dedicated to that because this episode would probably be like two hours long (laughs) if we got into all of that. So again, if you need that information, it will be linked in the description of this episode. But now that you have the gist of sourdough, let's get into how to best use it to get the most bang for your buck, really cut down on expenses for groceries and how it can really make your life easier. And I know you might say, whoa, easy. There doesn't seem to be anything easy about sourdough. I so promise you that it is, you know, the hardest part is getting started. It's obviously very different, not something that most of us are used to, but once you get it going, you understand it, you come to know your little pet. Um, It truly is an amazing resource for you in the kitchen. And yeah, I just, I love it. So let's get into how I use it and how you can best use it as well. So obviously we know sourdough can be used to make bread and I do make a lot of bread with it. We a lot of bread. Um, but it's not just used to make those rustic artisan loaves. In fact, um, my kids aren't the biggest fan of that style loaf. The crusts tend to be a little bit harder, so they're not really the biggest fan of that. Um, my youngest, my boy, he eats it cause he eats anything and everything. Um, But when it comes to the rustic artisan loaves, that's typically just uh, me and my husband eat it or, you know, we have friends over for dinner and I make one and, you know, 
the adults eat it. Um, but the sourdough can also be used to make your sandwich loaves, your soft, fluffy sandwich loaves, um, your dinner rolls, your baguettes, your ciabatta, your muffins, your cakes, your scones, your crackers. I mean, it can seriously make anything. Another great thing about sourdough is that it is, it really has two uses. So we have your active sourdough starter. That's when, you know, you feed it, you wait for it to rise to at least double. And then that's when it hits its peak. And that's when you want to then pull from it to bake your loaf, bake whatever it is that you're making. But we also have our sourdough discard. So if you're feeding your starter daily, but you're not pulling from it daily to bake with, you're going to need to discard to make room to feed it. So whether you're taking some out to bake or you're taking some out to then store in the fridge, you have to take some out before feeding. Again, if you, I've seen, I've seen some interesting, uh, debates about this. Um, yes, you can, you know, maintain your starter with very small amounts. So say you're doing a 25 grams of starter and you're feeding it 25 grams of flour, 25 grams of water. That's a very small amount. It's going to, you know, take a while to build up your jar to the point where you're going to need to discard. You could go, you know, several days before needing to discard. However, even when working with smaller amounts, you're still not going to want to go very long, even if you can, as in you have the room in your jar to just continue feeding without discarding. You still want to discard because at that point, you are at risk of creating an acidic starter. So if you're someone who hasn't been discarding and maybe your starter has hit a slump, it's not rising as well anymore, or it's taking way longer to rise. Um, and it's just kind of, just kind of chilling, not doing much. Um, that could be why. So discarding is very important. Again, whether you're taking some out for a recipe to then bake with or taking some out to put into a jar and storing in your fridge. Discard is amazing and has its own purpose. Um, so with discard that you're storing in your fridge, number one, you don't have to feed it like your starter. You literally put it in a jar in your fridge and just leave it there <laughs> until you want to use it. There are, I mean, endless discard recipes out there on the internet. I have a lot on my Pinterest, on my blog. There's, there's tons out there. Um, in fact, some of my favorite and most used recipes, it calls for discard. You don't have to feed it and time it for when your starter is at its peak. So discard is phenomenal for beginners, for people that, you know, might not have the time to feed your starter, watch it until it doubles, and then pull from it right then and bake. Um, discard is very, very 
busy schedule friendly, lazy schedule friendly, whatever it is, discard is absolutely amazing. So I definitely recommend keeping a bunch in your fridge at all times. Um, now with your active starter, I, I like to keep a lot of active starter on hand as well. I am nine times out of 10 baking daily. Um, honestly, I think the most I go without baking anything that requires active starter is maybe two days. Um, but I still, even if I know I'm not baking, you know, today or tomorrow, I'm feeding it every day because I want that discard. I want that stockpile of discard, um, in my fridge for easy recipes when I'm busy, don't have time to cook, don't feel like cooking, just all those scenarios, right? Now let's get into my two favorite easy peasy lazy meals, okay? This is why I always keep a loaf on hand. I always, always have a fresh sourdough loaf ready to go, whether it be, you know, freshly baked on the counter or in the freezer. I always have one in the freezer. I, I, I shouldn't say I always have one on the counter. Sometimes I don't have one on the counter. I usually do, but at the very least, I always have a loaf in the fridge, in the freezer that I can pull from in the event I miss a bake day and I don't have a fresh loaf or I just don't time it right. And you know, my, my dough isn't going to be ready for dinner, etc. So I always keep that on hand and I absolutely love to not only use an artisan loaf for sandwiches, uh, grilled cheese, you know, tuna melts with tomato soup, Um, but also even simpler, I love to make pizza toast with an artisan loaf. It is, it takes two seconds to whip up. You pop it in the oven for just a couple minutes, just until, you know, the bread warms up. If it was in the fridge, um, the cheese melts, it's so, so simple. It is seriously like my five minute dinner. Um, And to preface that, I do always, always keep um, at least one jar of homemade pasta sauce in the fridge at all times. So pasta is really our go-to. Pasta or pizza is really our go-to lazy meal. If we don't have anything else planned or you know, I forgot to take the meat out of the freezer and it won't be ready in time or, oh, the rest of our groceries don't get here. Um, things like that. Pasta. Everyone in my house is always down for pasta. So I always have a jar of homemade pasta sauce in the fridge ready to go at all times. And that's what makes my pizza toast option so easy for a busy night, lazy night. I can just take that jar out of the fridge. Don't have to make the sauce. It's always in there. Spread that on your toast add your cheese, your pepperoni, your arugula, your cherry tomatoes, whatever it is that you want to add, add that on there, pop it in the oven for five minutes, let the cheese melt, and you have a filling delicious meal. My second favorite lazy meal is a sourdough discard cast iron skillet pizza. Now, this is about as simple as it gets. Okay. This is just as easy as the P 
pizza toast and I realize pizza and pizza, (laughs) but um, you can never go wrong with pizza. Am I right? So this, all this requires it. It does take a little bit more time. Um, You have to put your cast iron skillet in your oven. Gotta let that preheat get nice and toasty. Um, Then you take it out. You dump some of your starter, whether it be discard straight from the fridge or, you know, from your active jar on your countertop. Doesn't matter. Either one works great. Dump that into your skillet gently um, with either a spatula or by kind of rotating the pan, depending on how um, thin or thick your starter or discard is. Um, You're going to move it around so that it coats the entire pan. Um, if you want, if you're using, um, one of the deeper dish cast iron pans, you can bring the sourdough up the sides to like really give it kind of more of a crust. Um, but either way, coat the pan, however you want to coat it, um, and drizzle with some avocado oil or olive oil, put some seasonings on there. I usually just use, you know, an Italian seasoning blend. Um, If I have fresh herbs on hand, like right now I have a lot of fresh herbs available. I toss that on there. Just make sure you put some seasoning. Don't leave it plain. Um, Pop that back into the oven for about 10 minutes. Take it out. Put your pasta sauce or marinara, whatever you have on. Put your cheese, put your toppings pop it back into the oven for about five minutes just until your cheese is melted, take it out, um, and you have a super easy and super delicious thin crust pizza. Um, You probably can make it a little bit thicker if you want to, you know, really use up a lot of discard or sourdough and really lay it on thick. If you do lay it on thick, then obviously you're going to need to adjust your cooking time. Make sure it gets nice and cooked through, but it makes, if you like thin crust pizza, pizza, it makes the most delicious, easy, thin crust pizza. So we use that. Gosh, the first time I did it, we actually ate it like three nights in a row. I was absolutely obsessed. So that is our our second favorite um, easy, ready-to-go meal with stuff that we always, always always have on hand. So I think at this point we kind of lightly touch on everything. Um, I hope I was able to get the point across. Um, Sourdough is amazing. It's cheap. You don't need anything fancy to get into it. And it's so versatile. Um, Oh, I forgot to mention, if you like to make soups or gravies, whether it be biscuits and gravy, um, even pot. Now I haven't tried it in a pasta sauce yet. I feel like it would, you know, maybe be good for an Alfredo or something like that. Um, but I've seen a lot of people use their sourdough discard or active starter. Doesn't matter. Um, as a thickener for sauces, even macaroni and cheese. I, I'm going to be testing out the mac and cheese soon. Um, but yeah, it works really well to thicken your soups and sauces. So there's just another way that you can use it. It really, it's endless. If, if you can make it, you can pretty much add sourdough to it. So I 
highly encourage anyone listening to get started in sourdough. It is fun. It is affordable. And it's one of those things that you can truly create so many amazing meals with it. Um, It doesn't have to be difficult. It can be super simple, easy, whatever you need it to be to fit your lifestyle, sourdough can do it. So don't let social media scare you or make you feel like you don't have the time or that you have to have all these things before you do it. You don't grab a glass jar. You could even use, you know, a glass cup out of your cabinet and use, um, I recommend like a cling wrap or something um, as a lid if it doesn't have a lid and you're just using a cup. Use whatever you have. Grab some flour. All you got to do is make sure it's not bleached and use your water, preferably just not your tap water, um, and you're good to go. You are good to start your sourdough journey. So here's to saving money, cooking healthier, cooking from scratch. And, um, I'm putting together some super exciting things for the new year. I know for a lot of us, it's time we're already goal setting. We're already, um, planning what we want next year to look like. And I know for a lot of us, one of the big, um, one of the big items on a lot of people's list is cooking healthier, cooking more food from home, you know, being able to, cut out X, Y, and Z from the grocery store and just be able to be more self-sufficient. Even if you don't have to be self-sufficient, it really is important skills because you just never know. (laughs) You never know when going to the grocery store might not be an option for you. So these are skills that I really, really do believe are super important for everyone to know. And not just that, it's fun. It's really, it really is fun. And um, it's fun to get the whole family involved. So if you have any questions about sourdough or anything we talked about today, definitely let me know. Like I said before, I will have all my sourdough resources linked in the description of this episode. I will also have a less rambly version of what we talked about today, typed neatly into an easy to read, um, blog post. So I will link that as well. And thank you guys so much for listening. And I look forward to speaking with you next time.